off from ministering uh, from the pulpit, and I'm excited about what God has been doing. How many of you have been blessed with our series? How many of you are blessed by Pastor Jake, Pastor Dave? I, I know I was more blessed than how much you were clapping, so I'll just add that to it. If, there, if you can hear me, Jake, super blessed. I wasn't here, but I got to listen to your message. It was fire. Uh, Dave was here in the early service. Just so glad to have you guys partnered with us. I feel like God's doing something special in the earth, and he's doing something special in this region, and there's just some people that you meet, and I told you this last week about Pastor Dave, but there's just some people that you meet that God starts to connect your heart, and you're like, something is going on here, and the man you're going to hear from this morning is one of those people that I feel like God has connected my heart with. I first met him uh, when he came uh, from Eagle's Wings to the Tabernacle uh, to serve in uh, youth pastor. I think that's what you were at that point. And I just want to say, Mark, you were just so honoring to me. Like, every time you saw me, you're like, hey, Pastor Josh. Like, no, no old youth pastor calls another pastor a pastor. You understand what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? Did, I think the hand sanitizer, like, can you hear me? Okay. And, Mark, you were just so honoring to me, but God in his great... Uh, uh, graciousness and understanding of what we needed in life didn't just leave it at hey you pass you youth pastor at church and I youth pastor at church but he brought us together uh, in a powerful way in Israel if you want to how many of you remember when I went to Israel and things just got kind of crazy afterwards like I was just jacked up in a different kind of way like you can blame Mark Passarella for that he's the one that that led that trip uh, for uh, about 25 millennial pastors um, and Eagles Wings has been doing that ever since when's the next trip in the fall. Uh, and so just I encourage you to, to find out what's going on there. If you want, if you want other people's pastors to be uh, encouraged and invested in like I was, you can be a part of sending pastors to Israel so they can see what God's up to and what God's doing and gain, gain a heart for God like maybe they've never had before. Um, I'd love to send some more of our pastors on those trips. Uh, in fact, I just uh, had a phone call this week where we started planning for a trip to Israel for this church. So if you want to Thank you, Mark. If you want to start, uh, I'll just give you a heads up now. You want to start putting some money away now, it, it's going to be a trip of a lifetime. And so we're, we're aiming for uh, end of January, beginning of February next year. So start thinking about doing that. It would be a privilege and an honor to do that with you. I, I'm excited about what God's about to do. All that being said, Mark and I's heart connected there, and we've just had some opportunity to spend time together uh, in intimate conversation about what God's doing in the earth, what God's doing in our lives. Um, I'm just so grateful to have him in my life as a friend and as a brother. I'm also grateful because God has done some excellent things in him with prophet, priest, king, and warrior. He is a, a excellent prophet, an excellent priest, an excellent king, an excellent warrior in the earth. If you're a part of this church, you know what that means for our men. That's We call that I am for. But God has also uh, gifted him, and you know this if you at the men's conference to speak to us about being warriors. How many of you are here, men, and blessed by that word, encouraged by that word, challenged by that word? And so for you, Mark Passarella needs no introduction, but for the rest of the church, I want you to hear how much my heart is connected with this man. I believe that the word that God has given him that he will share with you this morning is pivotal for what God wants to do in this region, but it starts with your heart and my heart. So I want you to open up your hearts right now. I want you to prepare to receive a word from the Lord, from Jesus himself, to encourage you to walk in the things that he has prepared for you. And so would you honor uh, this morning and welcome to the pulpit with everything you got, Pastor Mark Passarella, as he comes to share God's word with us. Thank you so much. Appreciate the love. Um, just want to 
turn that back and just uh, let you know, and I know you already know this, but you have the best pastor, one of the best pastors uh, here in Pastor Josh and Pastor Lori, and um, Gabby and I brought my wife Gabby uh, from, up from the South Towns, so uh, we came up from Orchard Park this morning and uh, made the long journey north. It's a lot cooler up here. No, I'm just kidding. No, we actually get... But um, Pastor Josh, Pastor Lori, just love you guys so much. Honor you uh, in such amazing ways. Just the, the time of investment that you've put into my life, Pastor Josh, just amazing. Your friend, a brother, a true leader. Um, how many of you know, I don't know, this is something, this is what I love about Pastor Josh, is he can ask the most pointed questions, challenging questions, with the most innocence that, like, it's just, because it, 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 he's for you. You know what I mean? Like, he just, he want, he's for people. And that's what I love so much about you. You've, you've, you've challenged me in just amazing ways and, and encouraged me in just amazing ways. And we talked a little bit about that, just the way, uh, that gift that you have to encourage and plant seeds in people is just absolutely amazing. Um, and you guys just walked through a uh, season with us in November. It was just really special, uh, even um, the different ways that you guys have been praying for us. And Pastor Dan and Pastor Nancy, I just I love you guys so much. I can remember uh, I've been part of the Eagles Wings team with Bishop Robert. By the way, Bishop Robert Stearns uh, says hi. Um, and Bishop uh, Tommy Reed sends his greetings. So we, you guys have uh, love and family down at Orchard Park in, uh, in the Tabernacle. Um, but I remember when Bishop Robert invited uh, Pastor Dan to come do morning devotions in the basement of the Eagles Wings office. It was like 12 years ago um, when I when I met you, and uh, I knew that you just came, you said you came right down the road, uh, and so we're over there in Clarence. Um, but just what an amazing legacy in this family, in the Hamlin family. Just honor you for uh, what you guys have done in this region. So many lives, and. Uh, such faithful friends to Bishop Robert and Eagles Wings and Bishop Reed and the Tabernacle. And so it's just, we're family. We're family here. Just love, love being family. So um, I want to jump into uh, the word that I believe the Lord has given us uh, this morning. is going to be speaking to us. And uh, if you could just open your hearts, close your eyes and just open your hearts. Um, Father, we just thank you that you speak. We thank you that your word is living and active, that it can step into real time and real life, step into our hearts, Lord, when we need it. We thank you that you didn't leave us as orphans to figure this life out alone when we, when we strive and when we try and make it through in our own way. You, you came. You are the way. You taught us a better way. You show us the way to live, and you speak to us. You're for us. I pray you to open our hearts that we'd encounter a man today that would change our lives, that we'd, we'd truly move from this place different than the way we came in, not with new information, but with a new impartation, with a new, new life flowing through our veins, a new model to copy that we would then turn and walk in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to jump right in. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about being overwhelmed and dealing with anxiousness, anxiety. Uh, if I assess the landscape of the modern world of America in 2020, I think more and more people are dealing with um, being in a state of overwhelmedness, a state of exhaustion, a state of anxiety, a state of uh, insecurity. And uh, when we're looking at that, I don't know about you, and that, that's some of the, the things that I feel like the Lord's discipling me through and helping me through in my own life, 
And as leaders, when I'm looking at that across the scope, when I'm looking at that in, in uh, high school students and college students and adults, um, I'm just seeing a great need for a firm foundation again. A great need for um, just security and for rest. And it's the same. What Jesus preached thousands of years ago is just as applicable today as ever. It's like, come to me, you who are weary and burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'm going to put a yoke upon you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a life that you can, you can breathe in, that you can, you can win in, that you can succeed in. I'm gonna, when everything is set against you, I'm going to give you something else so that you can walk through life equipped, encouraged, uh, with somebody, with guidance, with freedom, with security. And when we look at the world, I just, I just feel like there's this heavy volume of information, a heavy volume of, um, uh, luxury, of entertainment, of options, of decisions, and people are under the weight of the fears of making decisions, the anxieties of managing a life that is so full, that is so filled, that we end up kind of feeling like when I think about the word overwhelmness, I think about drowning. We end up kind of waking up every day and just like, just feeling like we're drowning in some sense. Like, can I catch a breath to get through this day, survive through the day, get home, kind of catch my breath again, and then start the whole monotony up over again? And I'm, I'm wondering, like, God, like, how do we break through? Because to me, it can seem like the cultural pressure, the invisible pressure is so strong. It's like, how, how do we walk this God life in the midst? of a culture that is just pushing us in the completely opposite direction. This is what, this is what I, I feel like we're dealing with, is this, this heavy volume, overwhelmed state of anxiety. And as I said, I think you can sum this up. It might f- have many different faces. Being overwhelmed might look different for you or different for the person sitting next to you. But I think if you summed it up, it feels a lot like drowning. It feels a lot. And what is drowning? It's suffocating. It feels a lot like can I breathe? Can I catch a breath? I want to tell you life is in your breathing. I believe the Lord's going to help us catch our breath. He's going to breathe life into us this morning. And so all the conveniences that we have in this modern society that is overwhelming us, all the access we have to info, the luxury, we're li- we're, we are the most luxurious people that have ever walked on the earth at any given time. Like Rockefeller, like there were millionaires that died from things that we now have access to just live healthy. There, you know, like the level of luxury that even the poorest people of America have, it's like we are the richest people that have ever walked the earth. We have more access through the internet. Stuff has more access to us. We have more knowledge, more information, more uh, entertainment, more, um, you know, more food options, more lifestyle options. We have, we have so much options. It can be overwhelming. Making decisions, a thousand decisions that we have to make every single day, wearing us out. We have schedules that we have to manage at work. We have uh, our families and all of the options that our families can do with sports and dance and this and that and whatever club you're in and all these different things. Not to mention, work doesn't stay at work anymore. Work comes home with you. And so we have access to, to everything 24-7. 
And, and with all of this stuff, you would think with all this technology, with all of this like ability with the reminders and the calendars and the, you know, the management software systems we have and, you know, all the ways that we can stay in touch with each other and family from long distance, that all of that stuff would help us feel less, like our lives are less empty and more meaningful, but we're still... We're still living lives where we, where we wake up or we go to sleep and we wonder if our life is making a difference. We're wondering if we're hitting the mark. We're wondering, as like, does this have an impact? Is what I'm doing meaningful and doing anything? And so even with all this stuff, we're still living like in this place of emptiness and meaninglessness. And I'm just wondering, like, God, there's got to be some other way. Like, with all this modern stuff, like, 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 how, like how do we live this life? And what I want to tell you guys right now is that we're not modern. We might be living in a modern world. It might be 2020. It might, you might have woke up and, and got into a, a car that had, you know, um, Bluetooth and you could, answer your, you could answer your phone and start up on it without a key and all this stuff. Like, you might think you're living in this modern world, but I'm telling you, you're not modern. It's like the movies. It's like waking up, like being asleep and then waking up into the future and just realizing, like, wait a second, like, how does all of this stuff work? We are ancient beings. Like, James says it like this. He says, Elijah had a nature just like you. In other words, he, he was made out of the same stuff. Do you guys know, like, even with all the modern stuff, we're made out of the same stuff that Adam and Eve was made out of. We're made out of the same stuff that Abraham, who in the, in the culture that was pressing everybody to go in a certain direction, overwhelming them and pushing them down the current of idol worship, that we're made out of the same stuff of Abraham, who heard a voice that was sending him in a different direction. We're made out of the same stuff that Daniel was made out of when he found himself and woke up in Babylon and realized that, no, I'm a, I'm a descendant of the nobles of Judah, but I'm a eunuch, a slave in the king's, in the king's court of Babylon. We're made out of the same stuff of Jesus and Peter and the apostles, the same ones who walked the earth, whose shadows healed people. And so we're surrounded by this, this modern thing, and I, and I just feel like it can become hip, hypnotic, like it can, it can put us to sleep, and it tunes us in to a different part of us that God created, but it tunes us in and, and imprisons us in a place where God is trying to take us into a deeper place, deep down, past our soul, past even our will, past our emotions, past our feelings, past our thoughts, and bring us deep down in tune and connected to the very spirit, the very place that communes with the living God. And so... This modern world has caused us, even in this postmodern thinking and even in our intellectual age that we're in, it's caused us to approach God as a puzzle to figure out, as somebody we have to figure out, like some other philosophy that we need to understand. And God's not a puzzle to be figured out. He's more like sustenance for life. I want to encourage you with that, to approach God less like, like some puzzle. Like, I, if I could just figure you out, God, then I could relate to you. You know, I, honestly, if we could just figure God out, then we could manipulate him. Then we could figure out how to just, you know, move through the laws and the systems so that, like, there's not really ever a heart connection. And just serve him like the elder brother. But I'm telling you, if we approach God like, no, God, you're the source of my life. I need you to breathe. 
I need you to think. I need you. I need you so that I can. I can sleep. I need you so that that, that it's water to my soul and it's bread and it's food to my to my body. That you are the very nurture. You're like you're, you're the nutrition that I need to survive this world. If we approach God more like that, that's why He says, "Come to me." Like if you're thirsty, come to me. He tells the woman at, at the well, like. Man, I got water that you know not of. And we got to approach God as, as, as sustenance. And, 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 and the, the, where that is, is that's deep. Because that's beyond the physical. That's why fasting is so powerful. Because fasting, it, you're just like canceling. You're like, let's move that aside. Let's get down to the soul. And let's get down even farther to the spirit. We got to move past the material and the physical. Past the soul realm. And then down into the ancient gut, spirit place where God speaks to man. And man can commune with God. And so, Jesus says it like this. In Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus says, Man does not live by bread alone, but he lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so Jesus, when he's tempted by the, the, the accuser of the brother, when he's tempted by the devil himself, the person, he interacts with the devil as if he's a person. He, like, talks to him. He's like, no, this guy is real. I don't, he's, we don't worship the devil, but we've got to understand that there's schemes, right? There's schemes. There's a person. There's a, there's, there, there's a dark force, an adversary, an opponent to your soul. You didn't just wake up in life and, and not have any wars or battles or somebody coming against you your entire life. Like, that doesn't just happen. And it happens early. It doesn't happen fair either. Like, the devil doesn't wait till you're a grown man to start fighting you and punching you in the face. Like, I love um, the story of the father and epileptic son, it says like from a young age the devil came in and possessed my son. It's like like the devil comes in at childhood. It's, that's what's so evil about him is it's like it's a man versus a child and he just over overtakes and overcomes. And so Jesus approaches the devil as if he's a person, because he is and he's being tempted, and the devil says, turn these rocks into bread if you're the son of God. And Jesus responds and he says, man does not live by bread alone. He lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, he's saying like, I, like, like bread's good. I need bread to wake up. I need to sleep. I need air to breathe. I need water to drink. But there's another energy source that I am connected into that I need. And the only way it comes is I get empowered by the voice of God. I don't understand why it's the voice, but it just is. It's the way we were created to hear voice and to hear words. It's like the second, the, um, the second commandment. Like, do you, do you realize that's a protection commandment? God knows that our soul runs cleaner and runs better off of words than it does images. That's why he says, don't create images. Because he's trying to protect us. And we're living in an age, if there's an age of idols and images, it's this age. It's the, it's the postmodern age. It's the YouTube age. We are, we are being filled. And if, if pictures are worth a thousand words, we have gazillions of words in our, in our face, in our hearts every single day. But we don't have the word, the word of the Father that is energizing us. We need the word. Not all these words and pictures. We need the word. And so, you might feel like you're waking up every day, like you're, the alarm's going off, and you're going through the motions. Maybe you snooze, maybe you don't snooze it. Maybe you're just like a morning person. God bless you. That's amazing. And you just, you're up, and you're, boom, and you're having your coffee, and you go through your day, and you know, you're, you're like, I'm breathing. 
I'm, I'm making it through the day. Maybe you're snoozing. Maybe you're like, you know, like slothing out of bed. Like you're just like barely getting out of bed and it takes you 45 minutes to kind of like come to whatever. And you're having your coffee and you're going through the motions and, and you're, you know, talking at work and you're doing stuff and you're eating and you're sleeping and you're drinking and you're doing all that stuff and you're like, I'm alive because I'm awake and I'm breathing. But I'm telling you, Jesus says that man doesn't just wake up every day and go through the motions. Man doesn't just wake up and have coffee and eat breakfast and go to work and sleep and drink water and breathe the air. Man does not, you might think you're living, but you're not truly living if you're just doing that stuff. Man is truly living as man, as sons and daughters of the living God. When their father is speaking to them words continually, then they are energized off the word of the father that's over their life speaking to them. This isn't just something for pastors and prophets and preachers and intercessors. Like, this is how we are all created. The ancientness of us, the, 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 the humanness of us are created with antennas, internal things, to hear and respond to the voice of God. And there's everything, there's a whole system that I just talked about that is trying to overwhelm you, fill you with fear, fill you with options, fill you with indecision, all the stuff, stress, anxiety, to get you to disconnect from that place and to live from the mind and try and weave through life like a puzzle where you can avoid any more stress and any more problems because you're barely hanging on because you're drowning and you can't breathe. Everything is set up to, to do that. And not only is our culture set up for that, but then there is an assignment from the evil one on your life to help you drown. 1 Peter 5.8 says this. It says, Be sober and watchful, for the adversary prowls around, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So Peter's showing us, guys, listen, the world is trying to get you drunk on luxury, trying to get you drunk on distraction, drunk on, uh, you know, worry, drunk on, you know, uh, exiting and just escaping and just like relieving yourself emotionally and physically because life is so stressful. But you need to stay sober. You can't get drunk on that. You got to stay alert and watchful because there is an assignment from the devil to follow you around your life. That's what it means. Roaming around, r- roaring, intimidating you and looking to possess somebody so that he can swallow you up and drown you and devour you. So Peter's explaining to us, this is the way you make it through this culture, is you got to stay sober-minded, and you got to stay alert and watchful, right? And this is, this is Peter, the, the sleeper. You guys remember the story, right? Peter's the one who was overwhelmed by what was happening in his world, that he slept through the most important moments when Jesus was saying, stay awake with me. When Jesus was saying, pray lest you be tempted because the adversary is going to come and take you out when you least expect it. And this is really hard stuff because to stay sober and alert means we have to take great care and attention of ourselves throughout life. We have to be in tune throughout the day. We have to use our emotions like a thermometer to tell us where we're at and what the temperature is. We have to use our emotions like a, like a gauge on, on our dashboard to say, like, oh, check engine. Like, you just got really angry over nothing. What's going on, Mark? Like, this is a lot of work, and it's a lot easier. Believe me, I know. 
to just turn on Netflix and be like, I can't deal with this today. There's too many check engine lights on. My inspection sticker is four months out to date. I used my spare tire, and I know I need a plug in this one, and I can't afford it. It's just too easy to just be like, I'm just going to wake up and keep driving the car the way I'm driving it. It's too easy to do that. Something happened in my life in the last two years where the Lord's just kind of been reviving my life. It's kind of coincidental. It's about the time when Pastor Josh and I started spending a lot of time together. But I've been on this personal revival, and I don't know where it started because that's the thing about this is it comes in so subtly and so quietly. See, we think the devil is going to come in with a shout. If you read the New Testament, he goes out with a shout. He gets delivered with shouts. He sneaks in quietly. Now, God comes in with the shout. Right? Jericho? Like, God comes in with the, with the, with the roar. We were just singing it, weren't we? That he roars over, like the... Lion roars over us, the, the good lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. So it comes in subtly, and I'm not sure where it, where it came in, but I, I know somewhere along the lines I got into this rhythm where I, was, I deceived myself at thinking that I was, just because I was waking up every day, just because I was breathing and sleeping and you know eating my food and showing up to church and even having encounters with God once in a while at the altar that I was deceived into thinking that that was my demonstration, like that was faithfulness to God and that was me being connected with God. Like, like, like radical displays of faith every once in a while proved to me and connected me with God that like, okay, I'm good with God and me and God are, are connected. And I have a pretty radical personality. So it's like if, if, some, if I have like a radical encounter, like I was having an encounter at the first service when we were um, singing about the blood of Jesus. And it's like when I have an encounter, I'm like, okay, I'm good with God. And I can like, I can like, like Elijah, like I can feed off of that for 40 days. You know, when the ravens came and fed him. But that's not like radical once in a while encounters with God that confirm that you're hearing from God, that you're connected with God. That's not the way to live. That's not like faithfulness and devotion to God. That's not breathing God in every day. That's not eating God and drinking God and, and, and resting in God with sleep. Like, like I was deceived and I, I didn't realize that it was like, it was those, it was that daily connection, that daily devotion that my soul needed, that even though I was getting this temporary, like, kind of, uh, you know, relief from the, the, the drowning that I was going through, and I'm thankful for those encounters, because those are like me coming up from the surface and just be like, <laughs> just getting a breath of air, right? And I'm like, thankful for that, that I didn't drown, but those were just moments, and I needed that, I needed those breaths to be like more consistent and linked up together, right? How many of you know it's not fun if I came and choked you for three minutes, and just when you're about to pass out, I let go so that you can breathe, let you catch a breath, and then choke you for three minutes again till right before you pass out, and then right before you're about to pass out, let you go and let you breathe again. Like, that's not a way of, that's not the, the most optimal way of breathing. Can you all agree with that? Like, you would say that's breathing, right? But maybe not the most optimal way, right? It's not really great for, like, the blood recycling and your brain and all that stuff, right? You're going to be pretty exhausted at that point. Guys, there's a way to breathe, and there's a way to live in God. In the state that we are equipped to live in this culture. 
the Holy Spirit has supplied to us the ability to live in one of the most overwhelming cultures that maybe ever existed. I don't want to be hyperbolic because every generation could probably say that, but like, here's what I'm concerned about. We may be on the edge of a global visitation. We may be at the season that the prophets and the scriptures talked about. Like, everything might be aligning in this moment, and if we're sleeping, we may miss our hour of visitation. I read about scripture of people who missed their hour of visitation because they were sleeping. They were stuck in a system, in a cycle that God had not created for them. But there were people all throughout those same scriptures who were awake and alert to the season that they were living in, who were making decisions to live differently than anyone else around them, who were connected to God and understood what he was doing and partnered with him on the earth. And you know who they are? They became the heroes of the faith. That's us. We have that ability now in New Covenant. That's, that could be all of us. There's, no, there's nothing special about it. We're made out of the same stuff Elijah was made out of. Where was I? I'm off my notes big time right now. <laughs> the problem's bad. We're drunk and we're sleeping. And Peter's saying to us, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary. See, this is the Peter who slept in the Garden of Gethsemane, Right? This is the Peter where just before Jesus goes into prayer, he, Peter says, I'm not going to deny you. And Jesus says, listen, Peter, your adversary, the devil, he asked that he could sift you like wheat. He asked for your soul, Peter. But I prayed that you would be able to stand. And so just a couple of verses later, we get to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus says, hey, guys, pray right now. Pray so that you're not tempted. I'm going to go a stone's throw ahead, and I'm going to start praying. But stay awake, stay alert here. Pray so that you're not tempted. It, scripture says that they were so sorrowful that they fell asleep. Like, like, do you think they realized what was going on, or do you think they just felt it? Do you think the pressure of the fact that the, God's only son, the Messiah, was about to go through... Isaiah 53 and Psalm 24 and all he was about to go through his suffering that he had been prophesying for his life do you, and that the prophets had said about do you think they just felt the existential pressure and that overwhelmed them and they didn't even realize what was going on guys I'm wondering if some of the stuff that we're dealing with when we're in, when we're anxious young people I'm wondering if our generation even unsaved, can perceive the existential pressure and sorrow that is over the earth because we are on the moment of great deliverance. Like, I'm wondering if we can feel this thing even though we can't understand it, but we subconsciously, because we're ancient things and we don't just respond to material realities, because we're feeling this pressure of the sorrow of this age, like something's going to happen. But I'm telling you guys, we're on the moment of visitation. We're on the moment of deliverance. Like, Peter just had to stay alert and awake for that one moment, for that next, whatever, 24 hours, 36 hours. If he stayed awake and wasn't tempted, he would have saw what was going to happen. Right? 
The most glorious thing that has ever happened on the earth. The Son of Man coming. The glorious shedding of His blood on the cross to make a way for all of us, right? And so the sorrow, and I just, I just want, and, and I was talking to somebody after the first service, and they're just like, man, you know, at work, all these people taking antidepressants, and they're on anxiety. It's like, like, like I, I'm telling you, like, I'm feeling this myself, and I feel like I'm half awake. How many of us, like, we're, like, and, and you could say, you know, you look at my grandfather's generation, it was like, those guys were tough as nails, right? And then they said, like, our generation, or my parents' generation was like, they were, whatever the word for snowflake was back then, they were calling them snowflakes, right? And now we're like, this generation snowflakes. I'm like, I'm wondering if there's some existential hypno, hypnosis, like some, some dark thing that we're all not realizing that's going on that is just trying to crush us and drown us and suffocate us. And all we know how to deal with it is with worry and stress and anxiety. And we don't know how to bust out of it. And so we get caught up in what the culture is trying to, to, to serve us and say, here, here's what's available to you. Five hours of binging Netflix. And you're not going to have to deal with the pressure and the stress that's on you right now. Here, let me serve you up some infinite game called Candy Crush that you can just play forever and reset every time you die. Here, here's a video game that never ends and that you just reboot every time you die forever. And the culture's just like feeding us and serving us this escapism from dealing with the sorrow and the pressure that we're under right now. And so, unlike Jesus who resisted the temptation, we've fallen into it just like Peter. I fell into it. I'm telling you guys straight up as a pastor, I'm ashamed to tell you that I was not in a place of being connected on a daily basis with the Father to give me life, to break me out of the system and culture and pressure that, that I was living under. I was going through the motions. I wasn't my best self. I wasn't serving my wife. It wasn't good for the people I was leading. It wasn't good for my own soul. I'm telling you that this is a reality that we can all fall into the temptation of this. Even Peter, the great apostle, who has built the church fell asleep in the hour of suffering. There's no one that's exempt from this except Jesus. And so how does Jesus break through? I'm going to tell you right now as we come to a close. Because this is the moment of a counter. This isn't, I'm not trying to give you guys information. This is an impartation of a new way of living. And you come into faith with this reality, I'm telling you, it's going to blow open our worlds. Jesus is not just some man with some crazy prayer life where he's out on the mountain and he prays all night, or he's up early and he prays all night. He doesn't have some special access that he can, he can you know, just commune with the Father and, and he's like, you know, he's God. Jesus' prayer life, he is God. Don't, I'm not talking about heresy. I'm talking about Jesus' prayer life was him completely as man. He had to pray that much because he emptied himself of God and made himself man. We have to deal with the fact, is Jesus' prayer life so super special that I can never have anything like that? Or was Jesus showing us how to pray as men and women? I believe it's the latter. I believe it's Jesus is showing us how to pray as men and women. 
And so I, I was in this place of deception, like, Jesus, you can't sympathize with my anxiety. I'm such a snowflake. Like, I'm stressed out about these meetings. I'm stressed out about financial decisions. I'm fearful of that. I'm fearful of that. And I'm like, I didn't think Jesus had fear. When I saw Jesus, I see him getting pushed up to the, the edge of a cliff, and they're going to push him out, and he just walks out of it. I see them wanting to stone him, and he just continues to reason with them, like, yeah, like, what's wrong with me? And he's just talking to his adversaries. I see him walking into situations situations where people want to kill him. I'm like, he doesn't have the fear and anxiety. He doesn't look very overwhelmed like I'm feeling right now. And so I'm like, Jesus, that's easy for you to say. Stay awake and, and pray so that you're not tempted because you were this guy that like was never afraid of anything. You never had anxiety. You were never overwhelmed. And then I read this scripture in Luke 22 verse 44. I read that it said that Jesus being in agony, prayed even more earnestly. And I want to tell you what that word agony means. It does not mean that he was playing bas a pickup game of basketball and landed on his ankle and rolled it and was in pain. I'm not talking about that. Jesus was under such emotional and psychological pressure that he sweat blood. He was under so much anxiety. He was so overwhelmed with what he had to walk through that he began sweating blood. Now Luke's the doctor, and Luke was like, obviously thought it was important to talk about this medical phenomena that a, that a human would be sweating blood. I mean, who's heard of such a thing? I don't know if you've ever sweat blood. I know somebody who has, but besides that, it's, to me, it's just Jesus and me that know that somebody has sweat blood, right? But medically, do you know that they can, they can put people under pressure? They have medical um, testing where they, they, have, they have reviewed people who are under so much stress, not physical stress, so much emotional and mental stress. When you max that out to a certain point, that literally the capillaries in your skin start to explode. You start sweating and secreting your sweat, but then it mixes with the blood of the capillaries outside your skin that are breaking, and you begin to sweat blood. This tells me that Jesus was under more anxiety. He was more overwhelmed. He was more fearful. He was more scared than I have ever been in my life because I've never sweat blood. This is absolutely phenomenal to me. Because in the place of my most weakest place, even there, Jesus spilt his blood. Not just my sin, which we all think of as the, on the nails on the, the, and the hands and the feet and the thorn of the side, but even in my weakest places of anxiety and worry and being overwhelmed, Jesus even washes that place with his blood. He sweats blood there. And I feel like God has sent me here this morning to awaken you to a reality that maybe you didn't realize that you were living in. And there's no condemnation for this at all. There's no condemnation. There's just freedom that's offered here in this moment that we can step out of that reality of being overwhelmed, of going through the motions. We can step out of that reality of sleeping and being drunk through life. When Jesus comes up to us, just like he comes up to Peter, and he leans over to him in verse 45, and he says, why are you sleeping? And I can't prove this, and I'm not saying that this, I'm not trying to create a theology around this, but as I've meditated on this in my moments of just revelation of this, I get this picture and it helps me in my meditation. It's real to me. I get this picture 
of Jesus coming over to me. And he leans over and he says, Mark, why are you sleeping? And I might be afraid. I might be sleeping because I'm afraid. I might be sleeping because I'm dreading the next day. I might be asleep because I feel guilty. I might be sleeping through things I don't want to face. And, I, and all of a sudden, when all that stuff comes to my mind, I start thinking about why I'm sleeping. All of a sudden, a drop of sweat just drips off his forehead or drips off his face, and it touches me. And when the Holy Spirit comes and touches you with the blood of Jesus, and he takes his blood and he touches your soul with it, your heart gets filled with energy, with adrenaline that we know not of. The woman with the issue of blood knew what that what energy felt like. She put a demand on Jesus and she touched him and she withdrew virtue from his body by simply touching the robe of his garment. This morning I want to invite you right now to come to the altar. If you've been sleeping through life and you're saying, I can't sleep through life, it's costing my, my, my marriage, it's costing me my leadership, it's costing me my, my destiny. It's costing me relationships. It's costing me promotions at work. It's costing me uh, being a good Thank you for your goodness and your voice. God, I look to you. Powerful message that Pastor Mark brought to us this morning. A message of hope. Because God in this moment is awakening his bride. And the beauty of it is this.
How many of you woke up this morning and it was a little darker than it has been when you woke up? But here's the truth. The light comes and the light wakes us. And here's scripture is very clear that light always dispels darkness. And it makes everything visible. And so the, the Lord encourages us when the light comes, the scripture says to awake, O sleeper. But here's the thing. How many of you have snooze alarms? And what I want to say this morning, what I want to encourage you by the Spirit of God is this, is that this morning was, a, was an alarm to, our, to, our, to us, but alarms do no good unless we discipline ourselves to get up. Right? We all know what the snooze sounds like. And when we hit it, we can go from a place of awake, I'm good to go, to within a minute, asleep again. And what pastor mark encouraged us with this morning is that god doesn't want us to develop a habit of just having to be alarmed every morning he wants us to develop a habit where the lord wakes us up and we just respond right away and how do we how do we do that in the natural we get up we use the facilities we drink some coffee we drink some water we take a walk we when we're woken and we just lay there we will fall back to sleep. But if we awake and we step into the anointing of what God has given us, we can walk in wokeness. That's a word now, right? But we're taking that word back for us, right? We as the people of God, as the children of God, as the brothers and sisters and co-heirs with Jesus and partners are the, should be and are the most woke people in the universe to the reality of what's deep inside of us. So I want to encourage you by the Spirit of God to... Receive what he's done today, whether you're here at the front or in the back. Receive what he's done, but walk in it. Walk in it. That was the call. Walk in it. Walk in it. Walk in it. Pastor Dan's coming now to close us and dismiss us and lead us in our giving. And as, as he comes, I just want to encourage you. Don't press the snooze alarm on this word. Because I believe that the people of God, empowered by God, walking in the regular in that deep place that Pastor Mark was talking about, that Jesus made a way for us to walk in, is what brings revival to our heart, to our families, to this church, and to this region, and to the earth. Let's do what God's called us to do and walk in it. Pastor Dan.